Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. It is your host back here. We back, baby. We back. It's your host, Original Chris, and this is no other than Rooted for Everybody Black, the Black Entertainment Podcast. Yes, Sirski. This podcast here is dedicated to embrace Black culture, embrace Black films and, and TV shows, and give the recognition when recognition is due. We're here to share the love. Come on, share it. Share it with us. We're here to share the love, and I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about this film that I was supposed to talk about back in November for my season finale, but... I'm sorry, y'all. I got. I. I I'm gonna apologize. I am so sorry for not getting that out to you all. You all deserve better. I was really burnt out, but I'm ready. I'm ready. I am ready as can be, and I'm ready to get back on board as long as y'all are with me as well. So I'm ready to talk about this. And the film is "Don't Be a Menace." That ain't it. To South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. We're gonna have a good time talking about this. I'm glad to have this little reunion and get us back together, but let's go ahead and get this thing jumping. For old time's sake, we gotta do the little intro. Hold on one moment. Who are you rooting for tonight? I'm rooting for um, everybody black. Everybody black. Every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want the shit, shit, shit. But if I sing it, I gotta make it. This is where it goes down. I'm not saying I'm gonna win the world, or I'm gonna change it. But I guarantee that I will spark the boy that wins the game. I live in the street, can't do it. Life from the twists and turns, bumps and bruises. I live, I learn. I'm from the city, full of yellow kids, and Yes, sir! I'm excited. I hope you all are excited. And let's get this jumping. So we're going to keep it with the original stuff since this was part of the last season. And this is the final episode now. But be prepared for season two. There's going to be a lot of twists and turns, a lot of different switch-ups. So get ready. Get, get buckled up. But for now, go ahead and get your popcorn. Go ahead and, you know, rest or whatever you're doing. Go ahead and relax. Get in your zone because we're about to get into this film right here. All right, now. Let's go ahead and get it popping with my favorite part my favorite parts of the film not gonna lie to you is many of lock dogs moments and if you if you have a hard time remember who i who i'm talking about i'll get more into the cast later but lock dog was the funny character the one that had the twist and his hair was sticking up it, it, he had all different things from uh, with the little uh, things baby suck on, you, you know, just different stuff in his hair, condoms, all kind of things. But he was the crazy one played by Marlon Wayans. I loved him. He was hilarious in this film. My favorite part of him really was going for that job interview, getting the job, um, and just many different things and angles that he had brought to this film. Another part for me was Grandma 
and that's when she went to church and she had competition now with the lady in the next all over it's something it's something about black people now i can't say everybody's competitive everybody may not have that competitive spirit but typically i see that runs deep <laughs> and it's so funny how uh, how they started breakdancing in the middle of the church but either way those really are my favorite parts nice short and sweet let's move to the next part and that is the did you know the did you know section where you might learn a thing or two or remind you of something that you may already know so don't be a menace is actually released back in january 12 1996. the genre is of course comedy but it has crime fiction in here as well the director is Par paris barclay and your producers here are Kenyon Ivory Waynes and Eric L. Gold. While this film did not win any awards, it did. It was up for one nomination, and that nomination was the Circuit Community Awards for Best Cast Ensemble. The writer and director, as I mentioned earlier, is Paris Barclay. He's 60 year, 66 years old, born in Chicago, and he's one of television's most successful honored director, directors, and also recognized as a writer and producer. You may know one of his shows, especially if they've been on CBS or Fox, but I'll go ahead and list a few for you. And this is NYPD Blue, ER, The West Wing, Lost, The Good Wife, CSI, The Sons of Anarchy, House, Glee, and Treatment, Scandal, Empire, Pitch, and Station 19. Some good facts about this film here is that this film is a parody to many movies, not just one, but many movies. And I'll list those off for you as well. So let's go ahead and start from the beginning here. We got Dead Presidents, Friday, Higher Learning, Poetic Justice, Menace to Society, Robocop 3, Body of Evidence, south central juice jungle fever and boys in the hood and that's just the name a few right there so another here is that in 1996 this was the only movie that had that came out that had 14 words in its title this movie title is very long i have a hard time remembering if i just and that's why i leave most of it to don't be a menace everyone knows don't be a menace but either way, it's the longest movie title, especially that came out in 1996. And it's got to be even one of the longest movie titles in general, especially for the black community. Another here is that Ashtray's father is less than two years older than him in this movie of Don't Be a Menace. But if you've seen Boys in the Hood, his father is actually only seven years older than his own son. So it's kind of funny because those two are supposed to be aligned as boys in the hood for the Don't Be a Menace part, section in that film. Another here is Lock Dog warns Ashtray about how promiscuous Dashiki is. And he says to her in the film, she got more kids than Mrs. Wayne's. It's funny because Marlon Wayans is one of 10 children. 10, y'all, 10. 
which is a lot. And Dashiki had a lot of children. So three of the Wayne's brothers are actually in this movie. Ain't that, hey, ain't that crazy? That's honestly good for your family. Like your family is doing something. Your family is doing the thing. If, they, if you got quite a bit, especially the ones who are actors in this film and they're with you. But that's another good fact there. A lot of actors who did play in the original movies that I listed off in the beginning also played in this parody and also as their self. That's a pretty cool fact here. There was a small reference if you pay attention um, and if you follow a lot of O.J. Simpson and was really into O.J. Simpson's case and so on, there was a small reference here as well when Ashtray and Lockdog are thrown against the police car in a four white, it's a four white Bronco in the background and it has bloody handprints on the side. Something hard to peep, but that's something, a fact that I was able to find here. So, I don't know if you noticed, but Keenan Ivory, Wayne, who yells message, not only is he acting and, you know, saying the words message, but in the actual film, there is a valuable lesson that is being taught, and that is the reason why he's yelling the words message, so you're paying attention, because some of the things that they are speaking in this film, yes, it's for comedic and uh entertainment purposes but they can also be speaking true facts uh to the to whoever is watching so i really thought that was important and valuable lesson here to even add to our list of facts now a couple entertaining little facts here is dashiki's address is actually 6969 penetration app excuse me penetration avenue and then Lockdog's address is 187 Drive-By Boulevard. They're very thorough with this film. That's all I got to say. Now, let's go ahead and move into the quick re-re-remix outline. The part where I'm going to go ahead and give you the cast breakdown and give you just a quick synopsis of this film. So... Some main characters that you should know in this film is, of course, Logdog and a few others. I'll go ahead and list them all for you since you asked. All right. So, Marlon Wayans, he plays Logdog. We got Sean Wayans, Ashtray, Kenan Ivory Wayans. He is the mailman in here. We have Tracy Sherelle Jones. She plays Dashiki. We have Helen Martin. And that is the grandma that I was speaking about. We have Soli McCoy. He's crazy legs. And then Lamar Tate, Ashtray's father. Some good names right there to know. Let's go ahead into the synopsis. It's outlined for you. So you can go ahead and get a quick overview of this film here. And this film is mainly just a parody of the different U.S. films about being and growing up in the hood. We follow Ashtray as he returns to the place where he grew up in and meets his father and also reunites with his friends again. He wants to escape the harsh realities that involves in the hood. And that's really 
what this film is to be. He And just like Boys in the Hood, which is mainly the strong reference of the film, but it has more, you know, different parodies of uh, different films here, but it really strongly follows Boys in the Hood. And it's just escaping the harsh realities. And at the end of the movie, we see that all of the all of their dreams basically came true. Even Crazy Legs' dream of dancing, even though he was uh, handicapped and his it could not move his legs, but he was able to fulfill his dreams of dancing. So everyone was able to fulfill their dreams and make it out the hood in their sense. Some good parts to really know though is, like I said, everyone follows their dreams. Ashtray ends up with Dashiki, even though everybody told him, you shouldn't be with Dashiki, but he was too in love. Uh, Lock Dog, his dream was to be comedic. That happened for him. Legs, crazy legs. His dream was to dance. That happened for him. And Preach, his dream was to end up with the, uh, that white woman in that trailer. So that's that's mainly what, what you got to know from this film um preach though since he was another main character that was played by chris spencer let's move into our favorite section y'all and if you're if you are returning you know what i'm talking about if you're new i'll go ahead and give you the rundown and this is the good the bad and the ugly the parts where I talk about everything that I thought was great, exciting, and got me on my feet, clapping, laughing, so on. The things that were bad and just not as entertaining. And the ugly, where it just fits that gray area. Otherwise, let's go ahead and get started. And that you know, let's start with the good section. So some things I have for the good is that, just as I talked about the message, portion every time he spoke message in our facts i thought that this movie is hilarious but it speaks many valuable lessons and they were just low-key it wasn't shredding your face like you're watching a documentary and you're doing this to actually learn but it's just it's low-key and subtle of how they're teaching valuable lessons which i love because this is all supposed to be for entertainment so here's some things I noted, and I have to share. I have to. But here's some things for me. And this is some stuff that Ashtray said and some other characters say along the movie. And this is where the part of the message came along. Some of them. But anyways, it was, it hurts me to wake up and see my beautiful black people suffer, victimized by the press of harsh realities of the hood. And that's when uh, the time when uh, the crackhead came to Lock Dog and Ashtray, or actually just Ashtray, to ask him for some crack and told him he would do sexual acts for some crack. But that's when that part was brought up. Another one. It's hard growing up in the hood without a positive black role model. And that's very true. A lot of people may, this is not for everyone, and this is not a stereotype for black people, but tip, there may be a strong, you know, typical reality where a lot of people didn't have a strong black role model, such as maybe their father figure. 
not saying that goes for everyone, but however, sometimes if you don't have a strong figure in your life growing up, especially as a black person, um, and also in the the lower ends of the community, it's hard growing up. So it can be it can be very life changing. And I mean, I, I've also dealt with those harsh realities coming from a more of a single parent household. And you, you see the differences when you are brought up from a single parent household and maybe you visit or know others or have friends at the young, younger age who have two parents to rely on. So it's, it's quite different. And if you know what I'm speaking of, you know, but if not, it's all right. Let's move to our next fact, though that I've heard in in here. And this one was saying, difficulty of formerly incarcerated black men have a hard time adjusting back to society and get a good paying job to sustain. They're treated like a dummy or given the bottom of the barrel that probably pays little to nothing. And that is true. Um, that's why you would see sometimes in reality that after coming back from being incarcerated, that it's hard to be hard to get adjusted to life. You want to get career, you want to get a job, uh, but no one's willing to hire just due to your background. So without being able to put a lot of money on the table, and maybe you have a roof over your head, maybe not, it allows you to go back to the street or wherever that you may have done to get locked up again and some may prefer to be locked up because they have shelter they are given food and they have you know a small bit of entertainment or a little little things to kind of keep them fulfilled as a human being and sometimes we can see that jails are overcrowded but that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day but it, it is hard and even even if you're not even had a former life or not life, but former background of jail or prison, it's still hard as a black person or person of color to get a job, to get a career. They want you to have years of experience. And in order for me to get years of experience, I need to get a job. So it's still very hard. Another one, black men are endangered, endangered species. That is true on another fact. Um, there are more black women there than there is black men. Uh, the ratio is just quite different. But another good one. Having a gun doesn't give you any real power. The real power is up here. I remember Ashtray saying that to Dashiki's little one. And that goes into this next one. And the last one here of that message here is the real power is knowledge. Your mind is like a gun and you want to blow it up with bullets of knowledge. And I thought that was just a cool reference to give give someone who is used to the street life, especially even a young child, reference to something that they know, but turn it and flip it and let them know that their knowledge is more powerful than any gun can ever do.
So another good fact for me that I enjoy about this film here is that this parody movie is a genius and they have everything down to the details. I gave you a couple facts of the address that Lock Dog lived on and Nashiki lived on. They're down to the details. It references so many movies, maybe 20 plus, and it is directed to make a good storyline. Even if you haven't seen any of the movies they are uh, making fun of here, it mimics it so well that you you can still get a good laugh even if you haven't seen boys in the hood or even if you haven't seen um minister society you still can understand it well enough and enjoy this film <laughs> even down to the seasonings they had when uh, we was in uh ashtray no no lock dog's house and the mom asked then hand me some seasonings and she was like, hand me this motherfucker and the season was motherfucker and other stuff. So I just thought that was really funny, really great about this film. Um, this film, like I said, they talked about their dreams and what they wanted to do and perceive they're more than just being a black person in the hood. This gave me... When Crazy Lake said he has a dream that seems almost impossible... And basically seems very impossible, but nobody made fun of him when he said his dream. When he said he wants to be a famous dancer or a ballerina or whatever he said that he mentioned, that he just wanted to be basically a dancer, nobody made fun of him or even doubted him. His dream to be a dancer, even though he's paralyzed, it happened still for him. And I think that's wonderful. And I think that's how friends should always move. They shouldn't have to doubt you. Even not even just friends, even family, they shouldn't have to doubt you and be like, no, you can't even do it. Even if it seems impossible, 99% to one, impossible. But your dream is your dream and it's, it should happen either way. This film, lastly, for my good here, is that it's a good way to keep from crying. It's a good way to laugh to keep from crying because growing up in the hood can be very hard and it sh it shows some of the extreme realities of growing up in the hood now it's more fictional and it's it's drawn a little bit out for entertainment purposes but a lot of what they're speaking of is very truthful and very honest but it's a good way to keep laughing and have fun with some of the some of the pain that comes with growing up in a less fortunate place Outside of that, y'all, I'm ready to talk about my bad section. And this bad here is with Dashiki and her promiscuous ass having seven damn children. She's a single mother and every everybody around town, uh, not just like one or two, everybody around town thinks they're her baby father. Everybody has dipped their toes in her pond now. Come on, y'all. And she's trapping Ashtray because he's naive. That's the main part. It's like, okay, yeah, she's very promiscuous. You probably know some people who's been around town and the whole city knows their name. But it's the fact that she's like, she wasn't even pregnant by his baby. They had sex with like five measly seconds. And she said, I'm pregnant. 
knowing good and much she done mess with somebody just before she just messed with him but either way he's dumb enough and too in love enough to you know really think it's through and she's ready to trap a good man so i really thought that was a little bad a little shady still funny y'all but <laughs> it had to go in the bad section my next one is dashiki oh lord i don't know how many da dashikis i got but dashiki and ashtray sex scene is just plain old nasty y'all if you know what i'm talking about this is the part where she there was he was sort of dipping hot sauce on her feet and looking licking her crusty old toes and just oh there was ugh, nasty it was making me sick it was cringy to me i couldn't i uh that's the part i just had to press forward a little bit <laughs> but the next one here is the crackhead would do anything to get some crack which is the harsh realities of what a drug especially an addictive drug can do to someone and i had to put that on my bag yes it was drawn up for um entertainment purposes him saying he would suck his dick for a cheeseburger yes it was a little funny but at the end of the day sometimes this is what happened in real life and that's the only thing you can put two and two together but the next one of uh, the black church churches profiting off the poor it's when the preacher was like, don't ask no questions. Don't ask why the pastor uh, got a nice car or a nice hat house. Don't ask no questions. <laughs> but it's just at this point, the pastor, he's, he's, he's fly. This pastor got everything that's nice, jewelryed out. It's blase, blase. And he's like, don't ask no questions. Just go ahead and put your money in the bag. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the money usually when it's given out um, during the service, it should be, you know, for the service and not to make, of course, everyone, you know, the pastor does need to get paid, but like pay, pay, dripping and, you know name name brands i don't know it, it's a different feeling there but it should mainly be about god and keeping the church up and stuff but a couple more things here for my bad was getting arrested for being black on a friday night it's a true thing that happens though just getting arrested because look the cops ain't got nothing better to do but pull someone over and you happen to be black. And not only this, it, it's funny because this is also referencing Boys in the Hood. But the black cop hating on everything reminds me of a black, like the Uncle Ruckus from uh, the Boondocks. It reminds me of Uncle Ruckus from the Boondocks. Not only that, recently seen after those cops had uh did that as well in memphis tennessee to tyree nichols is very very crazy and it's almost it's not as very similar to this but it is it, in a way is black uh as bruce police brutality has hit black community a lot and mainly made a big segue 
on the news. It's been happening for centuries, but um, it's been very highlighted after George Floyd and seeing that these black officers, five black officers, had beat this man to death is no funny story right there. But let's go ahead and hit with the last bad piece here I have is the harsh realities of hospitals and lower income places too is that they're not given better treatment and they don't have all the resources to help the people that are really in need. All right, now let's go ahead and move into the ugly section. And this is Lock Dog and his crazy ass family because they are very funny, but they are also especially trigger happy, especially grandma. She seems like uh, cool people, but Lock Dog is very third generation of hopelessness poverty and profanity which is america's worst nightmare that's mentioned in the movie but think of that in that gray area just because as most people want to get out of the situation they're in like growing up in the hood they they don't some people don't want to stay in the hood and that be their whole lifestyle and for a lock dog it's almost that that's the lifestyle that's already put on towards him. It's hard to break that cycle. And he is the third generation of this cycle. It reminds me, it just reminds me of another film on Netflix called A Day and a Night. And people try to escape their the poverty-ness. They try to escape, you know, the drug game or however it is to make quick cash, but end up in the same cycle as the family member above them, which is their father or their mother. Another one here is that Preach was hilarious with his with his um, woke shit, but hella contradicting. He is like a Dr. Umar Johnson, but mixed with a little bit of Uncle Ruckus talking about powerful stuff. But as soon as it came to his white woman, it was mixed reviews here. He was like, you know, uplifting dashiki, but that's not his love interest. It's this white trailer park woman who is his queen. And he uses this as a way as they, you know, white men did this to our black women. I'm taking the power back and I'm gonna do this to the white women. And that was his way of doing that. But I don't think of contradicting. If you're going to be woke, be woke. Don't contradict yourself on on your messages. So that's the only reason why I put that in the ugly. But it was, again, for entertainment purposes. And it's supposed to be funny. Because sometimes there's people that do that stuff. And act like they're woke. And maybe not as much. I think too, like this was a favorite part of mine when grandma was getting her dance on and being very competitive with the other old lady at the church. But in general, this had to go in my ugly section just because sometimes black people are always in competition with one another, especially black women or society puts black women in competition of each other. And for instance, like female rappers, Cardi B and Nicki Minaj, yes, they can have internal beef with one another, but would a lot of their beef be put with one another if society, Twitter, Instagram, all that didn't put them against one another? Who's the best female rapper? Well, Cardi's better than Nicki. Nicki's, you know, Nicki's better than Cardi. 
or Cardi did this and Nikki sucks or whatever. And it's just the fans do that, but they don't do that with men. Not as much with men, especially men rappers. And it's just almost like they try to degrade and compete us black women with one another. And that's the only thing I had to put in my ugly. It was funny that they was competing with one another, but it's almost like if you ever seen this post that it was like white people, they'll help each other get on top of the tree to reach the apple or the ladder of success basically to reach where they, they go. But black people's gonna try to tear each other down and sometimes that does happen. And that's how I felt a little bit of that dance competition. Instead of dancing with each other, they're dancing against each other. You see what I'm going with that? Y'all see, y'all see? Anywho, I thought this movie was hilarious and it barely received any nominations zero awards which sucks in my opinion i honestly think it was way ahead of its time i feel like it was more popular than ever and didn't get any credit it deserves so what y'all think on that i would love to hear your opinions on don't be a menace i think this movie is actually a genius like the best movie that it's it's one it's my favorite one of my favorite movies in general but not only is it funny, but it speaks true, valuable lessons. So let's go ahead and wrap this up here. And I will talk about was it a hit or miss with the public and RFB's rating here. So in general, with the public, it received a 6.5 out of 10 with IMBD, 32% on Rotten Tomatoes, 3 out of 5 on Common Sense Media, and 4.8 out of 5 on Google. I think it did pretty well and some of his bit mixed reviews still kind of hitting in that middle here but if i had to choose overall i'll still say that with the public it gave it more overall more of a hint and in general for halloween there's lots of people that dress up as locked dogs so it it, it made a hit on community in general but for rfeb I will go ahead with my ratings here. And for quality, I give it a 10. Storyline, a 10. Connection, a 10. There we go. 30 out of 30. That means three popcorn buckets. And that's the best rating our RFB can even give out here. The quality for me in general, just to break that down, was down to the MF detail very thorough very genius the storyline here was very well thought out it was hilarious but it was also informative and it taught valuable lessons and you just had to truly pay attention and even if you weren't paying attention you could have a good laugh the connection i felt very connected to lock dog and ashtray and their little crew and then just the personal relations to the hood that they were mentioning in general because i grew up in the west end of louisville i i've seen it i've heard it all if you watch news all the time you see and hear it all honestly sometimes it don't even matter where you live if you even live you know in any city or near a city you know there's harsh realities in general so all together i appreciate my rfb family for tuning in for newcomers whoever was listening you're part of the family too so i appreciate you for tuning in it was great wrapping up the season finale with this one in a lifetime movie don't be a menace 
while drinking your juice. Come on now, hold on, hold on, hold on. Mom to South Central. Sorry, don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. It was good talking to y'all. See you next time.